Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. The Gospel of Matthew chapter number 9. Amen. We're so glad to have... uh, three-fourths of the Worth family with us tonight. Amen. Glad to have them in the house of the Lord with us. Good to see them. Amen. And glad to have our other guests with us here tonight as well. Amen. So appreciative for each of you. Summer. We're glad to have Summer with us in winter. Amen. And that's tremendous. We're so glad to have her with us tonight. Amen. And all of you that are here in the house of the Lord on Sunday evening. Amen. We're going to turn to Matthew chapter number 9. I'm going to read verses 35 through 38. My subject matter tonight will also be our theme for this year. The subject matter tonight will also be our theme for this year here at the First Apostolic Church. Amen. And I pray that the Lord would help us in the next few moments. Amen. To minister the word of the Lord. Matthew 9 and verse 35. The Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom healing every sickness and every disease among the people but when he saw the multitudes he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd then saith he unto his disciples the harvest truly is plenteous but the laborers are few pray ye he says to his disciples pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his vineyard, or into his harvest, rather. It says vineyard in another one, the harmony of the Gospels. Into his harvest. Tonight, I want to minister this subject matter for the next few moments. Be the story. Be the story. Be the story. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ask him to help us tonight, our minds and our souls, to be receptive to his word. Father, I come to you this evening. God, I'm grateful, Lord Jesus, with an opportunity to be here. I pray, oh Lord, this evening that you're able to touch us, God, through your word. God, I pray, oh Lord, let it find, God, a place, Jesus, in our lives. God, individually and collectively, Lord, as a church tonight. I know, God, that you're able to help us, Lord, in this endeavor. God, I know, Lord Jesus, what you have felt. God, Lord Jesus, this week, God, concerning this. God, direct us now, Lord, I pray. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen and amen. Can everybody say amen? Amen. You may be seated tonight in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. Look at your neighbor and tell them, be the story. Be the story. If I may tonight, in my own words, I would like to paraphrase an article I read in the September 2006 issue of Time Magazine. This article was written during the refugee crisis in the Middle East in that year. Lindsay Adario is a photographer for Time Magazine. She is known for capturing those moments with a camera that can give a thousand additional words to a story. She was on her fourth journey on a search and rescue boat when rather than capturing the story, she became the story. The refugee route between Turkey and Greece had been all but closed 
forcing many to brave the more dangerous Libya to Italy route. However, the boats were being overly crammed and their conditions were less than satisfactory. Many of the vessels were never making it to their destiny and were taking the lives of those that were aboard. Over the years, Lindsay had been asked if there was ever an appropriate time to put down her camera and intervene, to which she replied, I'm not a doctor. My mission is to tell the story to the larger world. But as some 400 people boarded her search and rescue vessel from every age bracket of life, she pulled her camera from her face and noticed everyone's hands were full but hers. And as she took everything in, she recognized a three-year-old boy that could probably use some calming attention at that time. And so she let her camera dangle to her side and chose to miss some truly important images of the day in order to care for that three-year-old boy. So in this moment, rather than capturing the story, she was captured by the story. Rather than telling the story, she became a part of the story. She may not have a picture that depicts the moment, but she will forever have a moment that pricks her heart because Lindsay accepted the challenge to be the story. We all, with certain amount of admiration, love the roles that people play in stories that come across our news feeds or stories that are highlighted in videos and books that we read that are based on true stories. I know me, myself, I have sometimes been spellbound by different people's act of bravery and their death-defying deeds that they have done in these particular stories. As a matter of fact, if the story is good enough, we become the best marketer of the story. Because as it would go, you'd hear people sometimes say, have you ever read about those guys that kept running into the Twin Tower buildings to rescue the people? Or you hear people say, did you ever see that couple that walked away from that horrible accident without even being scathed? We become the best marketers of the story. I tell you tonight that I enjoy the times that I can stand up here and can relate a church story or event that has happened somewhere else at some other congregation or in some other city. Because when I tell the story, faces in this audience, they begin to smile and and people's mouths gape open and wonder upon hearing what God has done for that church or that city or that state. But there's a vast difference in telling the story and being the story. Vast difference. It's similar to the differences of being a biographer and an autobiographer. A biographer writes the account of someone else's life. But an autobiographer writes the account of their own life. A biographer writes from a third person point of view as an outsider that's looking in. But an autobiographer writes from the first person point of view. Thus they are telling his or her own story. A biographer's work is a secondary source of information because they've done research and based upon their research and the facts that they found, they tell the story. But an autobiographer's work is a primary source of information because it's based upon their own memories, having all those things had happened to them. And so I enjoy, I love standing up here. I love telling the story how that church paid off their mortgage early and I I love to tell you how That church, everyone that was in their prayer line, they all got healed miraculously. And I like to tell you how 
that church had, you know, new families added to their assembly in the past two months. But I love telling you when the first apostolic church had 11 people baptized in Jesus' name on a Sunday morning. And I love telling you when $10,000 was raised in a service that allowed us to buy extra land and extra property. I enjoy telling the stories, but I love being the story. To me, it's much more exciting uh, to share what I have experienced than to share what somebody else has experienced. Someone say amen. Jesus, in his public ministry, he began it a few chapters ago in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 4. He has had his wilderness temptation. He has come forth from there with power. And he begins his public ministry that's known to all after his temptation in the wilderness. The Bible describes what he does in that ministry. It says that he taught in their synagogues, that he preached the gospel of the kingdom, that he healed all manner of diseases and all manner of sickness that was among the people even including those that were possessed with devils. Jesus Christ took care of all of those things in his public ministry. But before Matthew speaks of everything that Jesus started to do, of his preaching, his teaching, and the healings that took place among the people, before he tells us that, he tells us that Jesus called to himself his first four disciples, uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John. And what that means for us is this. That means that those four disciples witnessed that teaching of Jesus. And they witnessed the preaching of Jesus. And they witnessed every sickness and healing that took place as a result of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right after everything that the Lord did, his teaching, his preaching, the healings that came from him. Right after all of this in the beginning, the Bible says that he is speaking of Jesus. His fame went throughout all Syria. In other words, people were talking about it. People were talking about it. If I may tonight, they were telling the stories of the blind eyes being opened. They were telling the stories of the leper being healed. They were telling the stories of the teaching and the preaching of Jesus. The Bible also informs us that there was a great multitude that followed the Lord from place to place, the different places that he had gone. People are witnessing these things happen. They might not have no personal involvement, but they are witnessing these things happen. They might not have no personal impact upon it, but they are witnessing these things happen. They're happening all around them. The sick is being healed. The dead is being raised. The gospel of the kingdom is being preached. They're not making them happen. They're not being a catalyst to them happening, but they are there. They's there. They saw it. They witnessed, and they can walk away and tell the story with, about it without being the story. They can be a spectator of the story and tell the story without being the story. Look at some of the things that Jesus did shortly after he started his ministry in Matthew 8. The Bible tells us, and I'll just hit through these like the tops of trees, but the Bible tells us in Matthew 8 that he healed a leper. He healed a centurion servant that was sick of palsy by just simply speaking the word. He sent the word and the man was healed. He healed Peter's mother-in-law who was sick of a fever, the Bible says. He came upon the water in a boat, the Bible says, and calmed the seas. Amen. And the winds obeyed him. The Bible says he healed the devil-possessed men of a particular area. 
In Matthew 9, he healed a man again, sick of the palsy that was lying on a bed, and he told him to take up his bed and walk. He healed the lady with an issue of blood that had had this issue for 12 years. He raised the dead of the ruler's daughter, Jairus' daughter. He raised her from the dead. He restored sight to two blind men. He restored speech to one that was dumb and cast the devil out of the same man that was possessed. Jesus did all these things, and here's Peter and James and John disciples in great multitudes going here and there they are witnessing all this and they are seeing all of this someone say amen because the Bible tells us in all these occurrences of scripture in chapter 8 and 9 that there was always some type of group of people around none of the things were done in a closet none of these things were done without the witness of somebody else sometimes it said a great multitude was there other times it said his disciples were there sometimes a great crowd sometimes a few disciples sometimes it was just the parents of the deceased and three disciples but nonetheless somebody was there and so if these people were not the ones getting healed or saved or being the ones that bring these other people to the Lord, then they were merely spectators of what was taking place. Spectators of the story. Perhaps even later tellers of what God or what the Lord had done. But they were not the story. They may have been where it happened, but they did it. They, can someone say me, they did not happen to anybody. So when I'm telling this tonight to be the story, I'm also in the same moment telling this we need to happen to somebody. I know that might seem like not great grammar, but you need to happen to somebody. It's with all of this as a backdrop that we come to the last four verses of chapter 9, which was my text to you tonight. We come to this last four verses of chapter 9, and it reiterates for us once again everything that Jesus has done. All the places that he has went. He has gone, the Bible says, to the cities and he has gone to the villages. He has gone to the places where there's been large population and he's went to the villages where there has been small population. If I can say it like this, Jesus has been the story at various levels. He's been the story to the crowds and he's been to the story to the small groups. He's been the story to the many and he's been the story to the few. Because can I tell you tonight, it is just as important to be the story in the city as it is to be the story in the village. Sometimes you will happen to the masses and there are other times you're just going to happen to an individual. But regardless of the arena, whether it's the city or the village, we must be the story. Someone say amen. So here's Jesus. He has preached. He has taught. He has healed in both the cities and in the villages. And some may be waiting to be the story some even here tonight may be waiting to be the story when they feel like being the story will matter. But I'm telling you that being the story matters just as much to one as it does to many. We got to stop by, if you will, the well for just one lady as much as he's got to embrace the masses from a ship that's pushed a little further out from the shore. We need to be the story. Some, someone say Amen. So Jesus, in doing all these things, city, village, preaching, teaching, healing, signs, miracles, wonders, and doing all these things, he realizes something. There's more to be done than there are laborers to do them. And the Bible says he saw the multitude. That conveys the idea that he carefully considered what was before him. 
He carefully considered the people that was out there. He saw the multitude and the result was this. The Bible says that he was moved with compassion. This is peculiar to Matthew. Amen. Depicting for us that the Lord had compassion upon the multitude. And what Jesus sees before him is a mass of people. The Bible says he said they are like sheep having no shepherd. And the, 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 the picture that is painted is this. Sheep without a shepherd tend to be scattered. Sheep without a shepherd have an ability to separate from themselves. They have, they, they have this tendency to go do their own thing, whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing. They have the tendency to go do their wrong, the wrong thing or the right thing. Many times, a sheep without a shepherd, it leads them to go down paths to where injury is or, or down paths where their life could even be lost because it's necessary for sheep to have a shepherd. It's necessary for them to have someone to lead them and direct them and guide them. If I'd say like, this sheep just needs somebody in their life someone say amen and so seeing the crowd seeing the multitude seeing the 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 the, the condition that they were in like sheep without a shepherd he evaluates all this and then he turns to his disciples that have been witnesses of story after story of preaching and teaching and healing and miracle and the dead being raised he looks at his disciples, his followers, and he tells them, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. He's telling them, there's nothing wrong with the harvest. There's nothing wrong with the harvest. There's nothing wrong, for that matter, I'll interject today. There was nothing wrong with the manpower. He just needed tellers of the story to be the story. There's many people going around talk about it or the fame would not have went all throughout the land. There's people that were telling the stories that was happening or other people wouldn't have heard of it. But he's saying it's not a lack of manpower. I just need some folks that have been telling the story, amen, to be the story to somebody. And so here's the instruction of the Lord. He says, here's what we need to do. This is what I believe that needs to be done. He says, pray ye. Look at it now. He says, pray ye. He's talking to his disciples. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Amazes me. He is so wise. He does not ask them. He did not say. He did not instruct them. Pray for the harvest. Did not say, pray for the harvest. He did not tell them to pray for the seed that it would find its place in the soil and grow. No, he had his disciples to pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send laborers into his harvest. Now, this might seem counterintuitive tonight maybe against what we modernly or sometimes popularly believe, that is, instead of praying for the loss, which has its proper place, Christ was telling them that perhaps they should be praying for the laborers. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send them forth. Said, so don't, don't, don't pray for the harvest. Don't pray for the corn. Don't pray for the wheat or the seed. Pray for the laborers. He said the harvest is plenteous. I wonder sometimes, and I found myself being, amen, in this guilty myself. We're praying for the harvest. Lord, fill the pews. Lord, get the people in. Lord, do this. Lord, Lord, we need the people. We need those that are lost and say, praying for the harvest. There's nothing wrong with the harvest. He wants us to pray for the laborers. He, 
wants us to pray for the laborers. He said that, that the Lord of the harvest would send them forth. Now, now this gets uncomfortable because that phrase sending forth in the Greek is kind of interesting. It means that the Lord of the harvest would cast them out. That the Lord of the harvest would throw them out. That the Lord of the harvest would thrust them out. He says, pray that the Lord of the harvest will thrust you into a position of being the story. Pray that the Lord of the harvest will throw you in a circumstance where you'll be the story. Someone say amen. In other words, there's some sense of urgency that the Lord is telling them about. Some sense of haste here. Some such idea that the laborers need to be sent out, thrust out, thrown out, if you will. Promptly pushed into the work. Why? Because the harvest is plenteous. What are you saying? Every harvest time has a window of time. You leave corn on the stalk. Past the window of time that it should be harvested and it will rot on the stalk. That's the reason why you see those farmers out there. They're there when it's daylight. They're there until it gets dark and lights on after dark certain times. You know why? Because the harvest is plenteous. Nothing wrong with the harvest, but I got to get this in. I got to utilize the time that I got to get this in because I don't want the harvest to go by because I wasn't diligent, because I wasn't thrust into the field. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? If the harvest is plenteous, Lord, send the laborers. Send the laborers. Help me to be the story. Want to be the story? Want to be the story? I got to work while it's day. One other place the scripture said, because night is coming. No one will work. We must be the story now. We must be the story in 2019. Now look. The very next chapter, Matthew 10, these disciples that he spoke to instructing them on how to pray. He's one that he's instructed on how to pray. They realized really how ingenious Jesus was when he gave the instruction. They start to understand some things because he said, again, pray that the Lord of the harvest send labors into his harvest. But whenever they get in chapter 10, a light bulb goes off. It's made very clear to them. Whenever he asked them to pray that, Jesus was the Lord of the harvest. (laughs) And they were the laborers. In other words, Jesus had them praying that they would be the story. He says in Matthew 10 and 1, this is after telling them how, instructing them how, guidance how to pray. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples... He gave them power against against unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Boy, that sounds similar to what Jesus had been doing. Verse 2, and now the names of the 12, look at this, apostles, I'll come back to that in here a bit, are these. Skip down to verse number 7. He said, and as ye go preach, boy, that sounds similar to what Jesus had been doing, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely have received, freely give. In other words, everything that Jesus had been doing for the past little while that they had taken all in and been eyewitnesses of, stood there and seen the dead raised and devils cast out. He's saying, now I want you to do it. He says, I want you to come from the level of telling the story about what's happened and being the story to somebody yourself. Look, it said he called the 12 disciples. Right? 
called the 12 disciples. But now he's commissioned them. They've been eyewitnesses of the story. But now he's calling them to a level of being the story. And so upon the realization of the statement of those last verses of chapter number 9, Jesus commissions the disciples. But note in verse 2 he says, And now the names of the 12 apostles are these. He commissions them to cast out devils, to heal all disease, to preach the message. But what he called as disciples, which is literally learners and pupils and followers, he says now, though the names of the apostles, he switches from disciples to apostles. Same group. He just now uses different terminology because the people who were the learners and the pupils and the followers, he now calls apostles, which means one sent with a message. He, they've come from the learner category to the doer category. They've come from the follower category to the leader category. They've come from the teller of the story to the beer of the story category. These are 12 different people. These are the 12 same people that were becoming the story. He said, freely have you received? He said, now freely give. Rather than it happening around you, happen to somebody. Be the story. The Bible says in Matthew 14 and verse 28. And Peter, this is after all of this now. A few chapters later into the gospel. There's a storm upon the sea. Jesus is in a mountain at one time to pray. They are in the sea that he has sent them over. Storm. Winds are tossing to and fro. Some of them are a little apprehensive, but probably what makes them more apprehensive than anything is they see this apparition as it would seem walking upon the water toward them, fearing that perhaps it was some spirit. They are afraid. The Bible says in verse 28, And Peter answered him, because Jesus cried out to them and told them that it is I, be not afraid. Peter then calls out to him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he, speaking of Jesus, said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. This is another narrative that's just peculiar to map you out of the Gospels. You will not find this in another place of Peter coming down out of the boat. And most people, when we read this, we just kind of chalk this up to Peter's personality. You know what I mean? The impulsive one that's ready to, you know, open his mouth before it's went through his brain. You know, he, you know the impulsive one, just chalk it up to another time that Peter acted out impulsively. But folks, what I believe tonight from my study of the Gospel of Matthew is this. What I see here in, in Peter is someone who had told the story enough. <laughs> Peter was among those first four that had been called disciples in the Gospel of Matthew. He'd witnessed a lot. He'd seen a lot. He'd been a bystander to a lot of the acts of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had a lot of stories he could tell. 
But I believe what I see here as Peter's crying out to the Lord is that telling the story is not enough for me. I want to be the story. Someone say amen. See, Peter was a part of a, a small band of three disciples that were there along with the parents of Jairus. Whenever Jairus' daughter was brought back to life in Matthew 5, he saw Matthew witness the dead come to life again. But again, telling the story was not enough for him in this moment of time. He wanted to be the story. We see it then in his request. Lord, if it is you, Lord, if this is you, his request is, if it be thou, bid me come. You know what I see in that? I see a man that's not satisfied with telling the story. I see a man that's not satisfied with staying on the boat with the other disciples and being able to go home that day and say, you know what, you're not going to believe what we saw today. You won't believe it. We've seen Jesus walking on the water, a stormy sea. We've seen him walking on a tumultuous sea. That's what we see. No, he wasn't satisfied just to tell a story like that. He wanted to be able to say, you know what happened today? I stepped over the side of the boat and I walked on the water, the very same water that Jesus was walking on. He bid me come and I came and I was the story. Someone hear me today. I love to tell other people's story. I love, I love how we can tell stories, how so-and-so had a home Bible study with someone and tears fell down their eyes. But I'm telling you right now, there's nothing better than sitting at that table yourself and telling somebody about the gospel message and tears flowing down their eyes. I can testify that to you. It's great hearing about somebody going into prison and purging getting to the Holy Ghost, but there's nothing better than being the story and going in yourself somebody hear me tonight we need to be the story you know what Peter's bid me come was Peter's bid me come in essence was the prayer that the Lord of the harvest asked them to pray <laughs> send laborers send laborers Lord and the answer came come see the dynamics change when you and this is bad grammar, but the dynamics change when you be the story. It's not Jesus walking on the water. It's Jesus and Peter. That's walking on water. It's not so-and-so taught a home Bible study. It's I taught a home Bible study. It's not so-and-so laid hands on them and they were healed, but I laid hands on them right there in the middle of shop code, but it's closing, and they were healed. Be the story. Now here, listen to me tonight. This is what amazes me. We know Peter was a fisherman. Peter had been a fisherman. He was acquainted with being out on the water. We know he was a good swimmer. According to the Gospel of John, the last couple of chapters, at one particular time he jumped out of the boat and swam to the shore because Jesus was there. We know he was a good swimmer. But the Bible says... Here's a storm. He's on a boat, which is not, un, you know, it's not foreign to him. He's a good swimmer. And yet the Bible says, yet he was afraid. Submit to you this evening that the number one obstacle preventing us from successfully being the story is fear. And look what Jesus said, even bringing further enlightenment to Peter's fear. He said, wherefore? Didst thou doubt? Jesus goes a little deeper and reveals that Peter was afraid because Peter was doubtful. Someone say amen. 
Peter isn't afraid of the sea or the water or the storm. He had been subjected to all of those. He had been a fisherman, no doubt, in many storms in his life. But he was afraid of uncharted waters. What is that? Doing something he's never done. Had he seen it done? Yes. But he had never done it himself. He's afraid of doing something he never done. He was afraid, if you will, of transitioning from telling the story to becoming the story. And let me tell you tonight, that's only natural. It's only natural to fear from going from telling the story to becoming the story. But while that is natural and you'll have those feelings of apprehension, let me also tell you, don't allow that to keep you from being the story. Because although Peter was afraid and the Lord even gets the revelation that he was doubtful, he still stepped over the edge of the boat. Somebody hearing me? He still stepped over the edge of the boat. In other words, being fearful and being that he was a little uncertain about doing it because he'd never done it before wasn't excuse enough to keep him on the boat. No, because there was enough dissatisfaction inside of him that says, I don't want to just tell about this. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be this. Wasn't the first time a strong wind had come. And assailed his vessel in a storm. Again, he was a fisherman. But up to this point of time, he had always seen the wind while he was in the boat. Rather than seeing it and feeling it while he was on the outside of the boat. But whenever he stepped out, he was being the story. See, it, it, man, it, there's nothing like, man, being on a, you know, you'd, you'd be on the boat, be able, it's exhilarating. Talk about the wind, you know. Talk about the wind that was blowing in somebody else's story. Huh? <laughs> you know, being, being able to even describe it, being in the boat, how, you know, man, it could just be overwhelming and all that. But folks, it can be rather intimidating to experience the wind while you're trying to be the story. See, when someone else has everything on the line, man, that's bad for them. But whenever you're on the line... And that changes everything. Because, see, the waves are not just hitting your boat now. They're hitting you. And there's nothing worse than to already be doubtful and afraid and step out. Wanting to be the story, not just a teller of it. And then all of a sudden you feel like you're falling or failing in the process. But the Bible says, even as Peter began to sink, what did he do? He cried out to the Lord. And immediately, the Lord put, stretched out his hand and helped him. Can I tell you today, I don't care what fears, doubts, apprehensions, it's uncharted water. I never did that before, Brother McGee. That's all right. You've seen it done several times. Amen. Be the story. And if you feel like you're failing in that regard, all it takes is a cry to the Lord. And I guarantee you, he'll come alongside you to help you because he wants you to succeed. Be in the story just as much as you want to exceed. When we get to the book of Acts, what is it? Some Bibles calls it the Acts of the Apostles. See, there's a shift. It was the acts of Jesus, but it moves over into the acts of the apostles. What happened? The tellers of the story became the story. And there's no amen to the book of Acts. We still need to be the story in our modern day. Someone say amen. Here's what we must be careful of. 
But you got to be careful about living vicariously through other people's stories. Sometimes it can happen, and it's almost, I don't care, and it can be church, there can be any story for, for the purpose of this illustration. You know, it's almost as though if we can tell someone else's story good enough, that we almost feel as though we were a part of that story. You understand what I'm talking about? I mean, we feel the exhilaration, the excitement of the moment of just the contents and the details of the story. It almost feels as though, man, we were a part of the story. And as a result of that, we get high in in some respects on telling other people's story but never being the story in anyone's life. Someone say amen. Someone say I need to be the story. We need to be the story even whenever the criteria does does not meet our qualifications. A few weeks ago, I talked about the Canaanitish woman that came to the Lord, namely the disciples, concerning her demon-possessed daughter. They even told the Lord, Lord, do something with this woman because she crieth after us. You know what they're saying? She's wanting us to be the story, but this doesn't meet our criteria. Lord, I'd really like to choose the story that I'm a part of. But when we refuse to be the story because it doesn't meet our criteria, you know what will happen? Jesus stepped in. He took the demon-possessed daughter of the Canaanite. You know what happened? Somebody else will become the story. (laughs) The story's not going to go without its players, without its characters. There's always this struggle. Let me tell you this, just so that we're not hit, you know, sideswiped here in 2019. There's always going to be the struggle between telling the story and being the story. Being a spectator to it, being able, you know, to regurgitate what happened somewhere and it happening to you. There's always going to be that struggle. But later, listen to me, later in Peter's life, on the Mount of Transfiguration, he is there in Matthew 17. He's witnessing Jesus' appearance. It changes before him, unlike anything he had ever seen concerning his Lord and Savior. It changed before him as Jesus is there, the Bible says, having a conversation with both Moses and Elias who are long time gone. Peter has taken all this in. There's always that struggle because look at Peter here. He says, Lord, he said, it's good for us to be here. He said, if you allow, I'd like to make three tabernacles. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elias. You know what he's saying? I'm enjoying being a witness. He's already had his walking on water experience, but there's always that struggle of telling the story or being the story. God, it's great for us to be here. I love love what I'm seeing right now. I love what I see being done. Well, let's just build a tab. Let's build up a dwelling here. Let's just stay here. Man, I could sit back and watch this all day. I could look back. I could just stay here all day and look. Man, where's the popcorn? This is great. Man, you, this is just one. I just, but listen, folks. At the base of that very mount, at this time, there's a man with a lunatic son who is sore vexed and he's possessed with a devil. While Peter is taking all this in, somebody's at the base of the mountain needing a story. 
needing somebody to happen to them. So Peter, you can't stay on the mountain because while you're witnessing some stories be written, there's others that's waiting to be written. Somebody at the base of the mountain. Another one, Peter, I, I know what you're feeling. I know what you're experiencing. I know that is all wonderful and that's great. But you can't be the story here. At the bottom of that mount, at the bottom of that mount is this lunatic son, sore vexed, possessed of the devil. At the bottom of this mount, we are taught, we are taught what keeps us from being the story. The Bible says... That whenever, fear, whenever Peter went on the water, that he was afraid. That fear gripped his heart. That, that he was overcome, according to the Lord, with doubt. But according to these verses of Scripture in Matthew 17, we understand that unbelief, everybody say unbelief. Unbelief will keep you perpetually in the posture of telling the story rather than being the story. Because here's a demon-possessed boy. He's throwing himself down, his father says, sometimes in the fire, sometimes in the water. He does this oft times. And when Jesus and the, the three disciples finally come down from the mount, the father approaches Jesus and says, Jesus, I brought my boy to your disciples, but they couldn't cure him. You know what he's saying? I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't be the story. I brought them to your disciples, but they wouldn't happen to him. <laughs> and they, 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 they just couldn't be the story. And then, whenever Jesus takes care of it, and he becomes the story, dispatches the, the, demon, the demons from him and, and takes care of his dilemma, then the disciples are there as disciples, learners again, and they ask Jesus, why couldn't we do that? How come, Lord, have we had to be witnesses of this story and not be the story. And he said to them in verse 20, he says, because of your unbelief. Listen to me. Because unbelief is different from doubt. Unbelief is different from doubt. Doubt is uncertainty. Maybe I can, maybe I can. Perhaps this will be successful, perhaps it won't. Doubt is like a seesaw. Going up on one side and then down and up on the other side and then down. But unbelief is whenever the seesaw hits hard on the ground on one side and it doesn't come back up. Unbelief is a decision. Unbelief is a choice. And Jesus, know what he says here. He's really tying things back home. Jesus says, this kind, in order to be the story here, he says, comes about by prayer and fasting. If I can tie it back to a prayer that he told his disciples to pray anyway, he said, pray that the Lord of the harvest. Sins, labors, thrust, forces, labors into his vineyard. To what? To preach, to teach, to heal the sick, to even dispatch the demon possessed. Pray that God will thrust you and throw you into being the story. If you'll stand with me here this evening, our musicians may come. Be the story. Be the story. Be the story. And folks, it's not near as complex as you may 
as you may contrive in your mind. <clears throat> Be in the story sometimes it looks like teaching the home Bible studies. Be in the story other times is just being one of the workers that serves breakfast to the football team on a weekday morning. Be in the story other times is taking time to pause in a in a place of business and pray with somebody that's explaining to you just some dire straits that they're in in the moment of time. Be in the story, maybe going to the nursing home and paying some attention to some of the residents that I hope perhaps before the end of the year we can get to doing. I got some things in my head. I talked to uh, Brother Alex Mason the other day because he put this, this uh, title thing together for me. I wanted him to get a feel for what I really wanted and desired and just was begin to tell him stuff. There are different ways that we can be the story. And not just be like attendees to a parade waiting for the candy to be tossed. If I'm tied back in to my original story, thousands, thousands of refugees fled Libya and arrived in Italy in 2016. Many were aided by smugglers for these trips and this proved not to be the best help. Refugees were placed on boats carrying passengers beyond their capacity. None of these vessels were up to the rigors of the open sea. As a matter of fact, they were very ill-equipped, only having enough fuel to make it the 12 nautical miles to international waters, but then no further fuel to make it any farther. Migration authorities said this. They are setting out in boats that are designed to sink. They would all die if there wasn't someone to help them at some point. Tonight, sadly, this is the story of humanity. The story of society at large from the very moment of their birth. We are born sinners. We are born with Adamic, damnable natures according to the word of God. Our journeys in many regards are setting out in boats that are designed to sink. The Bible says that sin's wage is death. There's no getting around that. There's no opting out of that. All are destined to die. That's the trajectory, the path of our lives from our very beginning. Not just simply a natural death, but a death that is without God. A death that they are hoping, that the devil is hoping is without Christ. But I submit to you tonight, oh, that someone would help at some point and be a search and rescue for those that are at the mercy of the sea of life. That a church or an individual could offer some hope to a voyage that's been hopeless from the beginning. I quote the migration authority and say, all would die if there wasn't someone to help if Lindsay would move the camera from her face she'll see that everybody's hands is full but hers and then somebody might just become the story that is the commission that I feel the Holy Ghost is laying upon the first apostolic church for the year 2019 is that we collectively and also individually will be the story. We have heard stories. 
we have repeated stories of what's happened here or yon or in someone else's life but God is challenging he is throwing he is thrusting he is pushing us as laborers into a plenteous harvest and he wants us to be the story in somebody's life be the story to a grouping of people these altars are open I wish you would respond to the message tonight to the word of the Lord that God I've been a Peter and I'm in the boat and I see everything going on I'm not going to leave I'm not going to leave this moment of time and say well this is what happened or that's what took place no I'm going to say I was out there in the water too I had the waves coming underneath my feet I felt the wind all of that but I decided I'm not going to tell the story any longer I'm going to be the story if there's just somebody folks there's people on a trajectory tonight that's in need of God but somebody somebody has got to be there at the moment in time to help somebody needs to be the story for them needs to be a story for that person that individual that grouping of people God I want to be the story I want to be the story. I want to be the story. Don't let fear cripple you. Don't let doubt cause you to be in between. Hallelujah. Cast aside unbelief and pray that the Lord of the harvest will send labors into his harvest. I don't want to be a spectator in this. I want to participate. I want to be the story. Hallelujah. Let's talk to the Lord right now as they sing. I want to Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.